Welcome back to the sixth episode of the Bendy and Philby Show. As always, I'm Bendy, and sitting to my left, he's got binders full of women. It's Phil Binders. <laughs> I'm Philby. But first of all, Philby, can we please talk about The Walking Dead? It's finally back. What were your thoughts on the season premiere? I think it's not only back in terms of premiere, I think it's back in full stride of how great a show it can be. Oh, yeah. Um, it got super dull in the middle of last season, and I hope they'll be able to continue this power that they started this season with. What do you think of the episode? Uh, I thought it was a return to its roots. I thought there wasn't as much dialogue, but that's kind of like the show producers finally just throwing their hands up in the air and saying, fine, we'll give you what you want. I had some pros. Uh, I thought that it should be like that all the time. There was more action. The plot was finally moving. Uh, Mikone, is that how you say your name? I think so, yeah. Mikone or Michonne, uh, she was great. There were less minor characters, less Carl, Rick kicking ass, good sexual tension between young Carl and Herschel's weird daughter, Beth. Uh, some of my negatives were there was still too much Lori. I mean, too much is any amount of Lori. You can't, that's unavoidable. I think, but... Back to Carl, though. They've changed the character who Carl is. He's mu- he's not the whiny boy that he was from season one. Yeah, he's and start- I think he's, he's starting to shoot zombies. I think there's a yeah, there's a little bit of a time lapse between the end of last seven season months. and now. Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, seven Yeah, because, I mean, obviously you can see his hair has grown. He's nailing headshots like everyone else with his gun, and he's kind of part of the crew, which was kind of nice to see. Yeah. I mean, they trusted him to sweep a home with them. I think he's the old Carl we knew is gone. Well, hopefully they don't tell him to do too much, because anytime they tell him to do something, shit goes down. <laughs> exactly. Um, some of the other negatives, uh, it seemed like the prison could be easily overrun if enough zombies just toppled the fence. I know they went inside, and that was kind of the point. There's, like, triple fences, and I've been thinking about that, too. Um, yeah, I'm sure it'll, it'll come back to haunt them, I'm I, sure. I mean, they're, they're not going to stay there forever. They get long. I mean, prisons are meant to contain people, aren't they, being, that aren't they by going deeper into the prison, deeper containing themselves? One other thing is, how crazy are they going to go staying inside the prison, and won't they eventually just hunt out the entire grounds around it while Daryl hunts all the owls around the surrounding <laughs> area? Uh, I liked, uh, you know, yay for agriculture, I liked uh, Herschel's point of being able to grow crops in that courtyard that they had. That's true. Now, you had a good question earlier. What was that question you were uh, asking me? I didn't want to answer it because what, it would ruin our podcast conversation. Uh, well, I believe Carol posed this question to Daryl that, or they had a discussion about Shane and how far they got would have gotten with Shane compared to Rick. And my question to you is, do you agree that Rick got them farther than Shane would have, or do you think Shane would have made a better leader? Well, I think the results speak for themselves. I mean, Rick found them this place, and he's kept them alive thus far. There's definitely pros and cons. I mean, Rick was dishonest for them for an entire season. He, at times, only looked out for his family. And continues to only look out for his family. But Shane, at the same time, was too reckless, and they knew that. I mean, what... I mean. It pretty much follows the comics in that regard, because I believe in the comics they kill off Shane in the same way and at the same time point. It's earlier. Shane dies much earlier in the comics. Yeah, and there's another thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, spoiler alert if you haven't watched the third episode, but uh, it's actually not Herschel in the comics who gets bitten in the leg. It's another character it's who's Dale. not even... Yeah, it's Dale who lasts that long. But in the comics, Dale eventually dies. They cauterize his leg, but I guess the infection works its way up into his body, and he becomes a zombie, so I don't know if that's kind of what they're going to do with uh, Herschel, 
or if they'll go a different direction, I would imagine they would go the same way. Yeah, we'll just have to see what they do with Herschel. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to live for too long. And even if he did, they probably wouldn't want him on the show because I guess he he got some DUIs in real life. So. But they they do that tease it one way, go the opposite way a lot, at least on most TV shows, but particularly in this show in the past. Yeah, and pretty much characters are expendable. You saw the characters they had at the end who will... Uh, figure to play into the rest of the season so we'll see what they have to do I mean it's very easy to add and subtract characters in a post-apocalyptic show like this yeah now I want to place a bet with you I want to see when Lori eventually has her baby are you betting on zombie baby or regular baby I hate 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 zombie babies it happens why do you hate zombie babies it happens in the most ridiculous way in the dawn of the dead right remake and uh, isn't that kind of I, I haven't seen any twilights but i think that's the same the vampire baby oh vampire babies i don't even start me on that but yeah dawn of the dead remake was that was one of the low points was the baby was but that that baby. was that was critically acclaimed and it made lots of money the dawn of the dead remake do you like that movie as a whole? As a whole, but the whole the zombie baby thing was just ridiculous. You just find it implausible in the zombie world, or you just don't like that plot? I just don't like that part of the line, the part of the plot. Um, I it's tough to guess this early in the stage what what Lori what's going to end up with Lori. But if you were a show writer, right. what, what route would you take? I mean, you're going to go as ridiculous and as potentially gory as possible. So I'm betting zombie baby. Now, see, I think they might do a twist where she has a regular baby, but and then it becomes infected maybe somehow, not necessarily bitten by a zombie, but some oh. weird twist that they learn more about the disease through her having the baby. Oh, all right. They're all infected now. I mean, I, th- I feel like it would be too easy just to have it for it lead up to that so much and her just spit out a zombie baby. Oh, that would kind of be a down, but I still... They love their gore on that show. I bet it's Zombie Baby. Now, what was your favorite gory part of the new episode? I'll say mine was when they lift the mask off the cool prison guards. What are, what are they in the riot gear? When they lift the riot gear off of the zombie's face and they take his face with it. I was going to say the same thing. That was pretty... Once that and when Maggie lifts up the, the mask on the one zombie and gets him right through the brain and looks over and is like, Look what I just did. That was that was also I think that that whole scene with the riot gear zombies was the highlight of the episode. I mean, if I had to make a video game of The Walking Dead, that would be probably the most fun level to play. It's just like just wandering through the courtyard, just killing zombies as creatively as possible with and, unlimited lives. And the phalanx that they get into that that position that they get into is just that shows how much time has elapsed, is that they've gotten better at zombie killing. And what I did like is the women and the children didn't sit back this time and were helpless. They stood at the fence, they distracted the zombies, they were stabbing them through the fence. I mean, it was it was an episode that I liked that got every single person involved. Yeah, that's uh, and the strategy has evolved, and that's what I really like. You see progress. Yeah, so overall I thought it was probably one of the stronger episodes, at least better than anything in the second season. I would say besides the Nebraska episode, and that's the one where they end up killing the two guys in the bar at the very end, even though that was very the less zombie. One. I think it was. I think this was better than the se- second season premiere, but does not beat the first season premiere. Oh no! No, I don't think any episode could possibly beat the pilot episode of the first right. season. So, but the I mean, because that's what set the bar for anything that came after that. Right, uh, but definitely beat the second season premiere. Oh yeah, easily.
We're going to transition from zombies to Ben Affleck and his new movie Argo. Uh, I thought it was a pretty spectacular movie. It made me it was made me tense the whole time. It was definitely kind of, definitely a nail biter. Definitely a nail biter and an epic scene whenever they're they've revealed the plans to the six hostages in the Canadian cons, uh, embassy house. They play Led Zeppelin, Levy Gonna Break. I started rocking out. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's that just the, the six awesome. hostages are hanging out, playing chess, getting, getting liquored up right before. Right before, yeah. So that was, once they get a glimpse of hope, they relax a little and start to party. And Levy Gonna Break, awesome song to play. I think that's Led Zeppelin 4. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Good use of the Led Zeppelin movie. Now... Obviously, Ben Affleck has kind of rejuvenated his career, but I'd go so far as to say, well, easily go so far as to say that this was Ben Affleck's most believable movie after The Town and Gone Baby Gone, both kind of crime thrillers, and this was more of a historical thing, and I was interested to see how he would pull it off, and I think he did it really well. He has been criticized for the... Uh, what what his He's been criticized for the amount of action he added, but his response to the criticism is... Based based on true events, not this is 100% true to the story. Um, he got criticized on the action. He got criticized on his casting of himself as Mendez and not a Latino man, as well as um, the amount, the role of the Canadians in the whole thing was much greater in the real life uh, campaign. Right, which is why after the movie they put in this, they added because the Canadians are mad. They added the little subtitle at the end that it was a a good example of two countries working together in a time of uh, great strife. And I, I agree, I think, that the one thing that kind of threw people off was that he's playing a character Tony Mendez and it's all-American, Ben Affleck. But I don't think he did a bad acting job. I think he was one of the high points of the movie. I'd say so as well. Uh, I agree with that. And that's another good thing about his past three movies, this one, The Town and Gone Baby Gone, he's had great ensemble cast, and this one might have been the best. You have John Goodman, Alan Arkin, you even have Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad. Who turned in great. I think him and Alan Arkin were the highlights of the movie. Yeah, I oh I agree hundred percent. And I think in the other movies the highlight actors were definitely Jeremy Renner in the town. He was the standout in that. And if have you seen Gone Baby Gone? I have not. In Gone Baby Gone, Amy Adams or not Amy Adams, excuse me, Amy Ryan, uh, you would know her. She played Holly on the office, but on Gone Baby Gone, I think she was close to being nominated for an Oscar. Maybe she was, I'll have to look that up in the corrections, but she played kind of a drug-addled mom who was fantastic with her Boston accent, which was a pretty big far cry from Holly. So overall, I think he's assembled great cast in all of his movies, and I hope to, I can't wait to see what he does next. I think he was in talks to direct a motion picture of the Stephen King novel, The Stand. I think he would be good for that. Oh, definitely. Have you read that book? I have not. It's kind of it's a post-apocalyptic, not so much zombies as a, a mega flu that wipes out. 99% of the U.S. population. And it's kind of a good versus evil battle. A little biblical in there, but definitely Stephen King's best book. All right. But the only big gaffe that really stood out to me, the big liberty that they took, and I didn't hear this complaint from anyone else. They must have been okay with it. was the car chase at the end of the movie. They're chasing after the plane in a truck with, uh, with RPGs and machine guns. And it just didn't strike me as realistic at all where the nail... I mean... I understand the nail-biting aspect of it, but that was the only thing that really struck me, because in real life, he said, it went very smooth. They just went to the airport, hopped on the plane, and that was that. But in a movie, I think that, you know, that would kind of be anticlimactic, like you said. Yeah, definitely needed the extra drama. 
They're making a movie, not a documentary. I just want to make a quick pitch for a couple movies that I want to see really soon, besides the ones that we mentioned in our previous podcast. The first of these is was out last weekend. It's Seven Psychopaths, and that's got a great ensemble cast, including Christopher Walken. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell, one of my top five favorite actors Colin in Hollywood Farrell. right now, Colin Farrell. Uh, the second is Zero Dark Thirty, and that is the Bin Laden movie, The Raid. Oh, I haven't Where they that. got him. That's uh, it's a good ensemble cast on that, too. Check out the preview for that. And the third one is Killing Them Softly, and that's the gangster movie with Brad Pitt and every other person who's ever played a mafioso. Uh, <laughs> they have Ray Liotta. No, Pacino's not. Is he in that? I don't know. I was asking you. No, he's not in it. Okay. Uh, but it is Brad Pitt, Ray Liotta, and Tony, uh, Tony Soprano. But that's just them kicking ass the whole movie. And it looks kind of dark, but I'm excited to see that too. So definitely be on the lookout for those three movies on top of the ones we've already mentioned. I'm also looking forward to Wreck'em Ralph. Just and Wreck'em Ralph. That looks Wreck'em awesome. Ralph. It looks great. John C. Riley. How could you not like that? John C. Riley. they have some other good people in it too, but it's basically what the plot is that he's breaking out of his video game. He's tired of the humdrum life of being the bad guy and wants to move on and... Yeah, and it's Pixar, isn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah. So it can't fail. I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that one. So Wreck-It Ralph as well. That'll be on our list. Mm-hmm. And as many of you know, the past few weekends we've gone up to Philby's Cabin in Potter County, which we've discussed, I think, on our second podcast. It's the one where your mom was running over the porcupines without remorse. Yeah, without remorse. <laughs> uh, while we were there, I... I had seen this already, but I wanted Philby to see it. I downloaded Prometheus on my iPad. I rented it. I did not do anything illegal. I'd like to know your thoughts on Prometheus. I was not really a big Alien fan. You've seen some of the movies, but you came in with a clean slate on this one. Oh, I think it was very it was very well done. Uh, all the genetic theory is very interesting that the genes matched between the two, the creators and the humans. And, um, yeah, I thought it was... Very well done and uh, scientifically potentially accurate. You know, there's no way to gauge that as of now, but it's very interesting. Right, and a lot of the Aliens fans were saying that there were big plot holes in it in regards to the other Alien movies, but I thought of this as more of a standalone movie compared to the other two. I mean, you really only see the Alien, spoiler alert, okay, enough time has elapsed, you only really see the Alien emerge at the end as a result of the two other body engulfing aliens yeah. yeah so you only see that at the end I also thought that Michael Fassbender was a really big standout as David the Android who just like he looks like so smooth and slick as him but also kind of uh, diabolical if you will oh, throughout yeah. the movie yeah that was the most interesting part of the plot was the David the Android yeah and his up and down yeah because it's interesting you know he's diabolical but He's always asked permission. He asks the scientist, what would you do he's, in order to do this? And he's subtly diabolical. It's not an overt diabolical. Right. He's not, he's not staring uh, with evil glares at people. He's not going out of his way to do it. He's just kind of here and there in the background. But then, you know, he comes in and deciphers the whole alien code. And uh, I'm excited to see. There's rumors of a sequel going on where it's just him and the main girl who's played by a... Numi uh, Rapace, Numi Rapace, maybe that's how you pronounce her name. Okay. It would be them finding the creator's planet, her and pretty much David's head. I, I would assume she would attach it back to the body at some point in their long space journey. But that would be interesting to see. Yeah. Also, while we were up at Potter County two weekends ago, we thought we would make a visit up to Philby's. 
brother, Professor Matt Bowerly, <laughs> up at Penn State. It's only about two hours away from Potter County. And we ended up scalping Penn State Northwestern tickets for 20 bucks a pop. Pretty good deal. Which was, was pretty great. Yeah. So we sat up there, and I'd like to do a quick re recap of the game, and then get your thoughts on it. Northwestern came in ranked 24. Everyone knows Penn State's story. I don't really need to go into too depth about that. But their much maligned field goal kicker, Sam Ficken, started them off with a 3-0 lead in the first quarter. In the second quarter, their new awesome white running back, Zach Swinak, scored to make it 10-0. Then Northwestern made somewhat of a rally, going up 14-10 right before halftime. Penn State rallied back with a touchdown from Matt McGloin to Allen Robinson to go up 7-14. Or, sorry, 17-14. Northwestern then rambled off two straight touchdowns, the second being a punt return, which really kind of deflated the stadium because that came right before the fourth quarter. Especially you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So at that point, it was 28-17 Northwestern. This is where all the Penn State fans were really biting their nails, got really quiet in the stadium. But then they led a huge drive with a six-yard pass again to Allen Robinson from Matt McGloin. The score was Northwestern 28, Penn State 25. And then, with about, say, five minutes left, they drove the entire field again and converting multiple fourth downs. And Matt McGloin, the much also maligned quarterback over the past few seasons, ran in from five yards to put them up 32-28. They got the ball back after a quick fourth and out from Northwestern and then put the cherry on top with a Zordich three-yard run to make them 39-28 winners over number 24 Northwestern and 4-2 and overall. But enough with that crap. Philby, I'd just like to hear your opinion on Penn State in general, the, their football games. The stadium, you mentioned on the way in that the stadium looks a lot like an erector set, and I agree with that. It looks assembled upon, um, which is interesting. Uh, right, they just kept tacking new kept pieces tacking onto new, it. new sections of seats on, um, which kind of took away from the look of the stadium. But I have been in a room of 20 people that hasn't gotten as quiet as that crowd of around 90,000 did. Um, just the volume control that the Penn State crowd had was pretty amazing. Now you're referring to the crowd when the right. other poster team was on defense and when Penn State was on offense. Right. When on offense, absolutely quiet. When Penn State was on offense, absolutely quiet. When Northwestern was on offense, it was roaring and the student section was in charge of how loud it was. And I mean, you just go and it's seconds in between absolute silence and absolute roar. And you said pretty much it was the same way with me sitting right next to you. <laughs> yeah, you sitting. You're one of the most uh, excitable people I've ever seen a, a sporting event with. <laughs> yeah, I mean you see me at Penguins games, but uh, Penn State. Yeah, that was good. Another excitable fan sitting in front of us also hailed from Pittsburgh, but unfortunately, we were talking about how the Steelers passed on Sean Lee, which brought him to the good point of saying that Tomlin had a secret. And when we inquired what the secret was that he knew about Tomlin, it turns out that Mike Tomlin, who knew is a racist. Doesn't like white people, not at all. <laughs> Why do you think he passed on him? Because he's a racist. <laughs> yeah, you know, it couldn't have been just because he liked the person below him, but you've heard it here first. Uh, Tomlin is a racist. <laughs> First-hand account from the person sitting in front of us. Which is odd because otherwise he was a smart guy, but... Uh, otherwise he knew his stats. Which <laughs> made, it, made it for the rest of the game a little awkward, high-fiving him. <laughs> he's a racist. <laughs> On our last podcast, our friend Josh uh, gave us a suggestion to talk about more about music, and I'd like to continue that to this week. 
and ask you what music are you uh, listening to right now, Mendy? Well, the song that I haven't been able to get out of my head and that I just downloaded is the Nina Simone uh, version of the jazz classic song, Sinner Man. And this is seen prominently if you've ever seen Thomas Crown Affair. It's in the intro. And I noticed it again in Sherlock in the season two finale, which is the third episode. And if you've never heard it, you'll instantly recognize it when you bring it up. It's an awesome song. Don't let the jazz label of it throw you off. It's about 10 minutes long, so it's the perfect song to throw on if you're running a mile or two on the treadmill. It really gets your, your heartbeat going. So that's my uh, weekly podcast song recommendation. And what would yours be, Philly? The song I've been waking up to and jamming to recently is Barton Hollow by The Civil Wars. Uh, I saw The Civil Wars with my good friend Bill from Ohio. Um, we saw them at Club Cafe whenever they were still small time. Right, this is before they were nominated before for awards. Before they were big time. And, and I remember saying, who the hell are they? Exactly, and it was awesome because it was a real intimate scene and you know there were 40 to 50 people at Club Cafe watching them. Um, so I've really rocked their Barton Hollow recently. I think that's also the title of their album, is it not? It is, yes. It's the title so I would also encourage that album. I can vouch for that myself. It's a great album. I saw them recently at Bonnaroo this past summer, and they are just as good in concert. A little on the slow side, but you know what you're getting into when you get them. So I would also check out that. So Barton Hollow by The Civil Wars and Nina Simone's song of Sinnerman. Definitely check those out. Sadly, we did not receive any new Would You Rathers at our Twitter account, which you should follow if you're listening to this. It's at Bendy Philby Show. Once again, that's just at Bendy Philby Show. Really easy. So follow that. But I found some good Would You Rathers on the internet, and I'd like to pose this question to you. This is my favorite. Would you rather, Philby, get rid of all the bad drivers on the road, no shortage of them in Pittsburgh, plenty of bad drivers here, or never ever have to wait in line at stores or restaurants again? Now, I could be selfish and say never wait in line, but I'd rather be... How is it selfish to never have to wait in line? I mean, it's selfish getting rid of a lot of drivers, too. No, I'd ra- it's safety. It's a safety concern to get rid of all the drivers. I'd get rid of all the bad drivers. That's a good point. It's a safety concern, and that all the good drivers... I'd be afraid that I'd end up in the bad driver category, but all the good drivers then become very safe. Well, you don't have to be selfish. You can, no, one, no one will ever know about your decision. Well, I'm getting rid of all the bad drivers. Lines be damned, I'm getting rid of all the bad. Then also, well, imagine, tra- imagine rush hour traffic home. How fast that would be with all the bad drivers. No waiting by the Squirrel Hill Tunnel, that's exactly. for sure. But, I mean, this is kind of a weird question because it's lines at stores and restaurants, but if that included theme parks or lines anywhere else, then maybe I'd consider it more. But it's definitely get rid of all the bad drivers, hands down. Oh, yeah. Now, there's a would you rather on here that we refuse to answer, but I'd just like to put it out there in case anyone else wants to chime in. The would you rather is, would you rather wake up naked and sore and without any memory of the night before next to the actual Burger King telling you you had it your way, or wake up naked next to Ronald McDonald telling you that you were loving it? <laughs> so I can't even get through these without laughing. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a good one. I want to put it out there. We are a little bit clean. We're a little bit cleaner than that on our podcast. We won't stoop down to that level. But do tweet at us your answers. Yeah, but seriously, let us know because that's a pretty good question. The actual second question, uh, would you rather, is would you rather look young until you die or be guaranteed not to die from a disease or sickness? That's a tough one, but I think that you should let kind of nature take its course. You shouldn't really mess with that. So I, I would say I'd rather look young until I die, just be like look like a young, youthful person, 
have the looks. I don't know, maybe it's superficial, but I don't think I'd want to well, be guaranteed not, not to die from a disease or well, sickness. Well, that you're not letting nature take its course if you're not aging. Yeah. I'm definitely... It's, it's either way. I'm not... I'm choosing to be guaranteed not to die from a disease or sickness. Well, then how would you want to die? Um, Just like in your sleep of old age? Well, yeah. I'd much rather it be... Yeah, there's a lot of suffering that goes on with the disease or sickness, and I don't care if I'm an ugly old person, I'd rather not suffer. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I, I mean... Maybe I mean, since I am so good looking, I don't have to worry about that. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll grow old. You, and I'll be a silver fox you just like Roger Sterling. In a maintain phase from now until you're old, I guess is what your point is. I think it's a lot easier for guys. Maybe if you pose this to girls, they would have a different answer. Another good suggestion, if you'd like to tweet at us, uh, any girls that follow us, maybe the two or three on our twelve total followers. We're hoping to up that number at Bendy Philby Show. Right, can't promote it enough. The third and final question are, would you rather, I think this is kind of pertinent uh, depending on what your stance is, would you rather discover the entire Earth, explore all around, unlimited, or go into space? I would definitely like to discover the entire Earth. Really? As a biologist with my two feet on the ground, discovering Earth on terra firma would be my goal. Now, where do you have any specific place you would like to go? I mean, you're going around the whole Earth. You definitely wouldn't stick in the United States. You would go to the unexplored places, you know, uh, right? Yeah, I'd discover the entire Earth. I'd walk all over the place. So you go in the deepest jungles, you dive with James Cameron down into the abyss. I'd mm -hmm. raise the bar with James Cameron. <laughs> I'd go everywhere, from the very tip of South America all the way to the very tip of North America, and then all the southern tip of Africa to the northern tip of Russia. <laughs> I think my answer. I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna uh, drop a little Felix Baumgartner reference. I'd rather go into space, uh, maybe a little really? farther than he went to. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to go into space? I mean, there's only a hand. I mean, how many? Less than a hundred, maybe people who have been into space. Maybe a little. Maybe close to that now. Yeah. I guess the difference is I'm a micro personality that likes to look at the little things, and you're a macro personality that likes to look at the planet as a whole. You think so? Well, yeah, I mean, maybe in that regard. I wouldn't say in every regard, but I would say I would You'd love to be go into space. One of a hundred people to go into space in the history books, and I'd be the one person who discovered the entire Earth. But I don't think people books. would see you that way. Most things have been discovered, there's still plenty discovered. I promise you, all the scientist magazines I'm reading, there's still plenty to discover. But do you think you would get the same recognition for discovering those things as I would get if I went into space and did something cool, or say, just a little bit different than most people? Well, whenever I put it in my say, autobiography, say I whenever I put it in my autobiography, I would get recognition for it. Right. I think if I were to go into space, I would want to maybe walk on the moon again, because it's been, what, decades since someone's walked it on the moon. Been. Once we beat the Russians, they said, okay, well, we can pump the brakes. Yeah, we said, uh, you know, screw it, we don't need to do it anymore, we beat them there, and that's that. But, you know, maybe put a few more American flags down on the moon, <laughs> draw, draw a little smiley face. Play, play nine holes. Yeah. Uh, I'd still, pole to pole, I'd prefer to just explore. Uh, gotta go space, gotta go space. It is time for corrections. The first correction I want to make is that Thor, I mentioned last week, I said it was in Texas. I don't know why I thought that, but Thor is actually based in New Mexico. You it idiot. In, yeah, New Mexico. On behalf of the Bendy Philby Show, I'd like to thank you for listening as usual. And please follow us on Twitter at Bendy Philby Show. And as always, please spread the word, and thanks a lot.